Can you unwrap the world's greatest mysteries? Can you explain the unexplained and find the pieces to the most puzzling cases? Or are you the Yule Cat and you wonder if you can still eat anyone who doesn't get new clothes for Christmas now that buying secondhand is much better for the environment? Tiernan, the Yule Cat doesn't exist. Oh, doesn't it? Are you a myth buster? Or a myth truster? I'm Tiernan. And I'm Athena. Welcome to Bust or Trust. A kids mystery podcast. And we are the Busters or Trusters. We look into some very strange stories from around the world. No mystery is too big for us. Monsters, ghosts and all types of the unexplained. Like, Athena, why do I never get what I want for Christmas? We've talked about this, Tiernan. You have to be good all year round. So you'd better not shout, you'd better not cry and you'd better not pout. How am I meant to go all year without shouting, pouting or crying? It's impossible. Those are my three favourite things to do. Well, then you face the consequences and it sucks again for you. We dive into all the evidence we can find and present all the facts, figures and testimonies. Then it's up to you, our chief detectives. You'll work out what it all means and make up your own mind. Is our case jingle bells or jingle smells? Hmm. Are you a mythbuster like me? Because things aren't always what they seem. Or are you a myth truster like me? Because true is the meaning of Christmas. You've got very confused. The phrase is, giving is the true meaning of Christmas. Oh, is it? Well, maybe someone will get given the truth then. It's not you though. I said earlier, you're only getting socks. We'll tell you at the end of the show just how to get in touch and you can let us know if you're on Team Buster or the best one, Team Truster. We'll also hear from you, our chief detectives, and your thoughts on the previous cases. So stay tuned. But until then, make sure you take notes, pay attention to all the information and start putting together your case. But before we do, a quick message for the grown-ups. Well, hello there, grown-ups. Did you know that we depend on your generosity and support to keep making Bust or Trust? If you subscribe and support Bust or Trust on Patreon or Apple Podcasts, you'll get access to lots of lovely extras like weekly subscriber bonus episodes with extra evidence, ad-free listening and early access to all our episodes. More to come soon. To support Bust or Trust, just click subscribe in Apple Podcasts or visit patreon.com forward slash Bust or Trust podcast. Or for more information, visit our website at bustortrust.com. The Case Athena, Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you, Tin, and you shouldn't have. Can I open it now? Of course. I hope you like it. Oh, it's a, it's a rock. You actually really shouldn't have. It's not just a rock. It's a magic rock. Well, that's what the lady in the shop said. Oh, did she now? And what magic does it do? Well, I think if you hold it and make a wish, that wish will come true. As long as you wish for something to keep a door open with or for something to use as a paperweight. Well, I suppose it's the thought that counts. Here's your gift from me. I found a brilliant Christmas case. Amazing. Best Christmas ever. I'm glad you think so, but you will have to share it with the chief detectives. Of course. What is it? What is it? The mystery of just who exactly wrote The Night Before Christmas. I love that poem that was definitely written by a mystery writer. But let's have the festive facts, please. 
the night before Christmas, or as it was originally known, A Visit from St Nicholas, is a very, very famous poem. Written in the 1800s, it tells the story of Father Christmas visiting a home on Christmas Eve with his eight reindeer and delivering all the presents. If I read you the first few lines, I think all our chief detectives will definitely know it. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in the hopes that St Nicholas soon would be there." Yes, it's brilliant and makes me very excited for Christmas Eve. Though I always thought mice didn't stir because they didn't have thumbs. That's got to make it very hard to pick up a wooden spoon. It means stir as in move, but yes, it makes me feel very festive too. In fact, when the poem was first published, it helped change many ideas about gift giving and also about how people thought of Father Christmas. While most people credit the American writer Clement Clark Moore with creating it, others say it wasn't written by him at all. Some think it was the author Henry Livingston Jr. and others say it was neither of them and someone else entirely who remains unknown. I definitely think this poem's real author hasn't yet been found. But of course, it's up to you, Chief Detectives, to decide. Does The Night Before Christmas have a mystery author? Or is it, like I think, obvious that Clement Clark Moore wrote it all along? Let me give you all the gifts of only the finest evidence. First piece of evidence. The first piece of evidence that shows it couldn't have been written by Clement Clark Moore is that when the poem was first published, the author was listed as anonymous. That's the term used when someone's name or identity is unknown. It was handed in to the Troy Sentinel, a New York newspaper, by someone who didn't give their name or any details about themselves. The poem, A Visit from St Nicholas, was printed for the first time in the edition of the paper that came out on the 23rd of December, 1823. It was printed many times after that too, with no author name attached. It wasn't until 1837 that anyone said it was written by Clement Clark Moore, and he himself didn't claim ownership until he put it in his own book of poems in 1844. That's 21 years after it was first released to the world. It's also claimed that when he was first asked about the poem, Clement Clark Moore insisted it wasn't his, but changed his mind later on. If it was his poem, why didn't he just put his name on it, or at least say it was his, after seeing how popular it became? It's a good point, but maybe he had a very good reason for not wanting to attach his name to it. Clement Clark Moore was a well-known professor in New York, and didn't want to be known for a poem that he later said he wrote for his children to enjoy. Perhaps he thought that people would think less of him if he wrote something that was a bit more fun than his usual, more serious works. In fact, it was his children who apparently insisted he included it in his book of poems years later. It's also thought that it was a friend of Moore's who handed in the poem to the Troy Sentinel in the first place. The newspaper's editor printed this clue about the author some years later in the edition that was published on January the 20th, 1829. A gentleman of more merit as a scholar and a writer than many of more noisy pretensions. He also said that the author was a resident of New York City, which is where Moore lived all his life. So it seems pretty clear it was him, and it's just that maybe he was very modest and a bit embarrassed by the poem. Imagine writing one of the world's most well-known Christmas poems and hoping no one knows you did it. Well, I suppose nothing sums up the spirit of Christmas quite like giving something without wanting anything in return. Now that is true. 
But the second piece of evidence might show that Clement Clark Moore wasn't the one who gave away the poem in the first place. Second piece of evidence. The second piece of evidence is a study by a former professor of English called Donald Foster. He's an expert in doing what's known as textual content analysis. That means he studies patterns in writing to find out who the author is. Foster studied the night before Christmas and thought it was very clear that it couldn't have been Clement Clark Moore who'd written it, especially when compared to his other works. For example, in the poem when describing Father Christmas, it says, The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. But Foster said the evidence showed Moore hated smoking, so never would have described Father Christmas as having a pipe. Foster also said that there were Dutch elements to the poem, including the original names for two of the reindeer, which we now know as Donna and Blitzen, but were first written as Dunder and Blixem. But Clement Clarkmore was a New Yorker and didn't speak Dutch. You're right, he didn't speak Dutch, but Moore was friends with other writers, including one in particular who was Dutch, and so he may well have been familiar with Dutch Christmas traditions. A historian called Seth Neller didn't agree with any of Donald Foster's claims that Moore wasn't the author. He says that Professor Foster cherry-picked what other poems of Moore's to read. That means he ignored other pieces of writing that may have given different evidence and just chose the ones that helped make his case. Foster's idea that Moore didn't like smoking came from a single poem that he'd written, but Nellis says another line in that same poem would show that he wasn't being serious. So it does seem like maybe Foster wasn't looking at the whole picture. Besides, not only has the poem been published many, many times by respected publishers and credited to Clement Clark Moore, but in later years it was found that he'd also written a letter called From St Nicholas before the date that A Night Before Christmas was published that describes Father Christmas in a very similar way to the poem. But there is only one way to describe Father Christmas, right? As we all know what he looks like. And the last piece of evidence may tell us who the real author actually was. Third piece of evidence. The third piece of evidence is that the family of an author called Henry Livingston Jr. insisted he was the real writer of The Night Before Christmas. Livingston Jr.'s children claimed to have found a handwritten version of the poem in their father's desk after he died. It was passed through the family until it was sadly lost during a house fire. There are other clues that back up the family's claims. Firstly, Clement Clark Moore didn't claim ownership until nine years after Livingston Jr. died, so it could be that he waited until it was safe to claim it as his own. Secondly, Henry Livingston Jr.'s mother was Dutch, so he would have known all the names as written in the original version of the poem. And lastly, New Zealand professor Macdonald P. Jackson examined the poem using something called computational stylistics. That is a type of examining text by using computers to analyse them and then compare them to other pieces of writing. Professor P. Jackson said that his tests showed Livingston Jr. was definitely the true author. OK, the tests do sound convincing, but it seems all a bit too convenient that the one piece of written evidence was lost in a house fire. And in the many years of searching for more evidence that it was definitely written by Henry Livingston Jr., nothing has come up. Not only that, but Livingston Jr. lived for five more years after A Night Before Christmas was published. So why didn't he ever claim it was his? Well, maybe he was embarrassed too. 
He was known for making poems and stories for his family, and so perhaps he didn't want his work made public. Maybe. I just think there really isn't enough to say that it was definitely Henry Livingston Jr. who wrote that famous poem. Or that it was Clement Clark Moore. Which makes me wonder... What? That maybe the author was someone else entirely. It did change how the world saw Father Christmas, didn't it? Hmm... No, 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 ho, ho. This is all wrong. What's the matter, Big C? It's another of these blasted stories about me where they have the details all wrong, Mary. Oh, not this again. This is all you ever go on about. Well, well, I mean, listen to this. He wears a big hat like a bishop. What? Of course I don't. Don't be ridiculous. How would I keep that on my head during the sleigh rides? I don't know why you let it get to you. This one! This one says I ride a horse. A horse? How have they mistaken eight reindeers for one horse? Just outrageous. Instead of complaining about it all the time, why don't you do something about it? You could put a business card with all the presents you deliver with a recent picture. Or I could deliver a witty piece to the newspapers with my real description and then everyone would know ho-ho. Now that... It's a good idea. Let me see, let me see. He had big muscles and a handsome face that everyone loved all over the place. Mm, this is hard. And from where I'm standing, dear, um, not really very accurate. Ah, I'm needed in the toy factory. I haven't got time for this. But I do. How about something like his eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses. His nose like a cherry. Ooh, yes. Maybe I need to frame this as part of a bigger story, though. Let me see. What's the night before Christmas? Oh, yes. Darling, I think I've got it. Fantastic. I really don't deserve you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you two. And now to deliver this to the newspaper anonymously. Yeah, I'm certain that's actually what happened. I don't think so. Merry Christmas is just as busy as Father Christmas. Fact. Yeah, I suppose so. Especially with that writing career she has. Well, it's up to our chief detectives to decide if we really know who wrote The Night Before Christmas. Let's go ho-ho over the evidence. Evidence Recap. The first piece of evidence is that when the poem was first published on the 23rd of December, 1823, it was handed in by someone who didn't leave a name and the author was listed as anonymous. But it is thought that the person who handed it in was a friend of the writer Clement Clark Moore, who didn't want credit for it, as he wanted to be taken seriously as a professor. He had written it for his children for fun. The second piece of evidence is the studies of Professor Donald Foster, who examined the text of the poem alongside Clement Clark Moore's other works, and is certain it wasn't written by him. But a historian called Seth Neller countered all of Professor Foster's claims and said he only chose other poems that would help make his case. The last piece of evidence is the family of another writer, Henry Livingston Jr., who insists that he wrote A Night Before Christmas. But there is no physical evidence to prove this and Livingston Jr. himself never claimed to be the writer. So now we're handing it over to you, Chief Detectives. What do you think? Are you a Night Before Christmas had a mystery author myth buster? 
or A Night Before Christmas Had a Mystery Author Myth Truster. We want to hear from you, and most importantly, which side you're on. Though, you don't have to be anonymous about saying you're clearly on Team Truster this Christmas. No way! Team Buster have this case wrapped up like a Christmas gift. Send us your voice notes with an explanation of why you're a Myth Truster or Myth Buster when it comes to whether the author of the famous poem was Clement Clark Moore or It Remains a Mystery who really wrote A Night Before Christmas. All you have to do is ask your grown-ups to help you email us your voice notes or thoughts to hello at bustortrust.com. Tell us your name, age, what you think all the evidence means, and please, please make sure your grown-ups give us permission to use your voice notes or emails in our next episode. You can also send us a question on Spotify Q&A, but please get permission from your parents and don't include any personal details so we can publish them safely. We won't always be able to use all of them. But oh, we really love hearing them. And here are some thoughts from you lot, our chief detectives, on some of our recent episodes. We've had some brilliant comments left on the Spotify Q&A from our chief detectives. The first one is from Abby, who says, Definitely a myth truster. There is a lot of evidence for this side. Yeah, that's right, Abby. Loads of evidence for trusting the myths. I fully agree. I think Abby has just listened to the evidence for the trust side and she hasn't heard the evidence for the bust side. Then she'll realise there's more evidence for Team Buster. And we've had another comment from Abby who responded to our Mothman case saying, I usually am on Myth Buster, but I am leaning on Team Truster this time. Go Athena. Well, she said she's Team Truster, but also go Athena. Maybe she means she's leaning on my team by squashing us and leaning on us so that Team Buster can run away with it. Oh, yeah. Abby's definitely a buster. She said she's leaning on Team Truster. So she's saying you've got a point, but Team Buster all the way. Nice one, Abby. You lot are great. And if you enjoyed the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Amazon Music or wherever you listen to your podcasts for more great episodes. We love to hear what you think, so please do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps more detectives find, bust or trust. We'll even read out some of the reviews on the show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next year for more Bust or Trust. Tiernan. That rock is magic! Really? What happened? Well, I wished we'd have a lovely last episode of 2023, and we did! Hooray! I told you so! Okay, maybe it wasn't the rock, but hey, it's Christmas, so I'll let you have this one. Best Christmas present ever. Merry Merry Christmas, Christmas, Chief Chief Detectives. Detectives!